Hello, hello. Welcome to For Book's Sake. This is Heather Roberts. And I am Veronica Adams, and we are 1852 Media. We are indeed. And today we are going to be hopefully recording this in one part. Oh and God. <laughs> oh God. Sorry guys about episode 13. Really not. Lucky number 13. It truly was. But today we're going to be talking about apps. We're going to be talking about services that you as an author can use for your business to make your life easier. Uh, we will talk about pros and cons of different categories of services and there are the different services within each category. And yeah, let's, let's get into it. I mean, so where do you want to start? We can start, I mean, we can start on website even like basic. Yeah, let's, let's start let's, on website. Let's, yeah. Let's go building blocks and like start from the basics and build upward, I guess. Yeah. Um, foundationally websites, probably one of the most important app type services you're going to need. <clears throat> To get started. To get started. So there's, I mean, we could talk probably 20 minutes about websites, but. Oh, for sure. <laughs> just to, to get, I'll give my short opinion on websites. So there's a couple different that, different ones that you can, you know, look at. So when you're looking at a website, you're obviously, you need a domain name. Okay. So you're going to need to purchase a do- domain name. That's from a place like GoDaddy or, yes. you know, you can actually purchase them through some host sites as well. Right. And what's then? I Wix and Squarespace both allow you to reserve domains when you buy packages from them. Correct. Yeah. So then you also need a hosting service. So a hosting service, if you're not using a place like Wix or Squarespace, would be like Bluehost or GoDaddy also has their own hosting service. Yes. There, and so there's plenty of options out there for hosting, yeah. and you can look those up. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest question is, how easy or difficult do you want this to be? Because if it's easy, it's going to be more expensive. That's right. If it's more difficult, you can get deals and it will be cheap. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you are tech savvy, you may want to save a few pennies and go the more difficult route and DIY as much as you can. Yes. So you if you're can- not so tech savvy- you may want to pay for someone else to do all of the really challenging things for you. Right. I mean, so I'll tell you, could I cobble together uh, a website, do the hosting, do the get a WordPress package and create my own code and do all of that myself? Yes, I could. Okay. I could. I just don't want to. So we use Wix for our website. Yes, yes we do. And we do. it's because, is it expensive? Yes, it's not cheap. But is it easy? Yes, it it's really fucking easy. <laughs> That's yeah. what I care about. We have also used WordPress. Yes. For certain things. And <clears throat> that's a, a leftover from your blogging days. Yes. But also super easy. Also Yes. Requires a bit of tech savvy and skill if you want to personalize and really get into the weeds of making things custom to you and your brand. Yes. So updating. It's doable. It's doable. It's not as drag and drop as Wix or Squarespace. Sure. And so it's not as intuitive. Can you figure out how to use it? Yeah. You're probably going to have to watch several tutorials. I mean, 
you just are. If you're just looking for something really simple that lets you say like add page and then there's a page and <laughs> let you what you want to drag in an element and there's an element and you just want there it is and you can just move it around on the page and it, yeah, you're not going to want a WordPress WordPress hosted site. Right. You're just not. Right. Um, because it's not that simple. You have if to If you're going to be doing all of the moving and changing, that is. If you correct. intend to hire someone yes. to do this for you. Whatever. I mean, yeah, whatever. Go with go with what your pro thinks is the best platform and interface that they can most comfortably work in. Right. Like if they're going to be writing specific code for your site and you're then going to be paying them for updates and things like that, go the cheaper route on the domains and all of that. I mean, that yep. on the on the hosting, on go that route and cobble together yourself a cheaper package. But if you are planning to want to update this yourself in the future, which by the way, you should, because websites are living, breathing entities, you're going to want to change things, update with each book that you release. You're you're going to want to be updating about events you're going to. Events, yes, I was just about to say. Yeah. So you don't want to have this just static website that doesn't ever update. Um, so you have to consider that when you're planning what you want to use. Um, so yes, if you want drag and drop, I would recommend, I personally like Wix better than Squarespace, but that's just me. I've used both. I have some clients that have Squarespace and I've gone in and, and edited and mm-hmm. done all those things. Right. Also, another thing to think about, are you planning on selling direct to consumer on your website? You should be eventually. Maybe it's not like a priority for your brand right now, but long-term you should always be moving in that direction. And that comes with the same sort of thing. So if you're going to be using Shopify, sometimes you can get away with you making Shopify, using Shopify, using their website features Mm -hmm. and building out your website through Shopify instead of using Wix and and things like that, because then your options are now WooCommerce not right. you have to remember not everybody talks to everybody. Yes. And programs I mean. So <clears throat> if you yeah, want Yeah, those integrations are critical. Yes. Like who you choose uh for one thing is going to have a direct impact on who you can choose for other things that Correct. plug into or associate relate with your your interface, the basics of your website. Yes. And that's the same thing with payment options when you're yep. talking about e-commerce opportunities. So yes. you want to really look at all of these options before you're making your decision if that's where you want to go into because let me tell you trying to move a website from one place to another is once you have pages and like <laughs> it's awful it's a special kind of hell it is it truly is it is a special kind of hell so think about these things before you start diving down this road or driving down this road diving diving anyway so that's what I'll say on website. I mean, you can also, if you're just starting out, I would think the easiest thing to do would be get, uh, would to, I can't speak today, would, would be, be to, get. to get a book funnel account mm-hmm. and then create a landing page on book funnel that is just talking about you and your brand. 
you could also do that with MailChimp, which is a newsletter service, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So where do you want to go next, Veronica? Website? Ooh, news, where do we... Newsletter. Newsletter? Okay. Newsletters. So what's your favorite newsletter service? <gasps> My favorite? <laughs> we groan because they're all terrible. <laughs> it's like asking me to pick which dental procedure is yes. my favorite. I don't have one. They're all unpleasant. Well, so uh, full disclosure, this is in no way, shape or form sponsored. Oh, God, no. No. I mean, uh, we love to be. <laughs> yeah, sure. But none of the companies we're talking about positively or negatively have any anything to do with this episode. No. By practice, I would have to say MailChimp, but it's just because it's what I use most often because it's what we use for 1852 Media. But I'm well-versed in several other platforms doing newsletter work for clients. Uh, MailerLite's a solid option and it's so cost-effective compared to MailChimp. It is. Great, great competitor. I have heard, do not have personal experience, but have heard wonderful things about Emma. Constant Contact comes highly recommended too. Very straightforward. But yeah, for me, I think my favorite's MailChimp. My favorite. Favorite. Air quotes. Yeah, I mean, MailChimp. Why do we use MailChimp? Because again, it is easy. It is efficient. I care about efficiency over all things. And I also care about usability, right? So efficiency and usability. And when you have people in your company, multiple people who are going to be going in to some type of a service to be able to update, move things and whatnot, you want to make sure that the usability is there because otherwise you're going to have to be doing constant training, retraining, things like that right. to get the the eventual product sure. that you want. If it's a struggle to put together your newsletter, you're not going to do it as often. Right. You're going to miss opportunities to use newsletter marketing to your benefit. <clears throat> right. You're going to waste time getting the newsletter drafted and out to your subscribers because it's clunky and difficult to put together. That's time you can be doing other things. Well, and MailChimp, I do like because they have all the features. They have have GDPR covered. They have, you know, it's really simple. Again, drag and drop. MailerLite, very similar. Very similar. Um, I've tried them. I don't hate them by any means. Don't, I mean, for a newsletter company, um, <laughs> it's just newsletters are not, you need a newsletter. Okay. Let me just be very clear. You need this. This is a necessary evil in your business. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that we have to love making them. That's They're right. never really fun to make. So thus our begrudgingness talking about this particular topic, but uh, MailerLite, also very easy with drag and drop features. Uh, their automation features are a little clunky to me, not very yeah. user-friendly. I think MailChimps are a little more. Yeah. They work well, but I think you're right. The setup for the yeah. automations is very, uh, it, it's strikingly different between those two platforms. It, I think MailChimp is. is a little bit more intuitive and MailerLite is a little less intuitive, making it like you described kind of clunky. Yeah. I've set up automations over there before and mm-hmm. I've had to watch many, many, many videos to figure out where something that's very simple that mm-hmm. in MailChimp is just like right there. So right. Right. that that to me was not my favorite experience. But if you're just going in and 
making a newsletter or something like that, then it's very similar in the type of, you know, options that you have. Um, another one, I've had some clients that have started to use Flowdesk, which is apparently very inexpensive and they like it. It Good. does have, does or I should say, does not have like all of the bells and whistles. That, very uh, Spartan, streamlined. Yes, very streamlined, very straightforward. But if you're just looking for a simple newsletter, then that's a good option for you as well. Depending on where you have your web hosting set up too, you may have native newsletter opportunities Correct. available to you. Some web hosting companies offer a, a newsletter package that is their own interface. Like Wix has that. Exactly. Yeah. And you can experiment with those too. But you don't necessarily need to use a third party, especially if you're paying for, you know, right, if you're already a significant amount service. of money for your web hosting subscription. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Take advantage of that. I don't necessarily care for the web hosted newsletter services personally. I don't love it. But if it comes included with your web hosting package, definitely consider it. Yeah. Play with it a little bit. See if it's a fit for you. Like you, if you don't have a lot of subscribers and you're not sending mm-hmm. out that many newsletters, then it should yeah. probably fit your needs, at least for the beginning. Sure. sure. But once you start to inch up those subscribers, it becomes a bit cost prohibitive because you only get yeah. so many sends yes. with those, with what's included in your package. Yep. I also think, I think that's an important consideration for all newsletter services yeah. too, is the size of your list. It should probably dictate how elaborate the service you use is because you may need additional special features depending on whether you have groups and whether you need to segment, how often you clean up your list. I mean, there's a lot that goes into uh, the final consideration of where you should be having your newsletter hosted. For sure. For sure. And yeah, so really take a look at all of those options and think about what is most intuitive to you. Um, Because also what's most intuitive to me might not be most intuitive to somebody else. Um, So you may find that something else is going to work better for you. Look at the demos. This is something that you're going to be investing in. Um, And I will say also, remember to back up your lists frequently. Frequently. Because at any point... That newsletter service could just go down. Something could happen. There could be a glitch. Download a CSV file of your subscribers and put it in cloud storage somewhere. Put it on a a backup hard drive somewhere. Make triplicate copies and have it in three or four different locations if you need to. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is lose those contacts after you've built them. I mean, that's disastrous. So. Let's see, moving on from newsletters. As an author, you're going to want ARC distribution, okay? Oh, yes. Um, yes. So there's several ways that you can do ARC distribution. You don't need a service to do no, ARC distribution. You can, you can direct to Kindle. Yes. Or just direct to user distribute files. Yes. We say direct to Kindle because you need a Kindle address in order to send it directly to their Kindle. However, they don't need a Kindle to read it. They just need to read it in the Kindle app. So they have the Kindle app. They'll have a Kindle user ID and a Kindle email address. Yes. So, and it ends in at Kindle.com. Right. So you will be just emailing your EPUB because now we use EPUBs (laughs) to Kindle devices. R.I.P. M.O.B.I. I I know. R.I.P. Moby. 
So now we use EPUB files to Kindle addresses and Mm -hmm. you just literally attach it to the email and send it to the end user. You now caveat, they need to have you approved on a list in their content devices. Kindle Kindle Amazon account. Yes. Your email, at least your domain, your domain needs to be added to a list of safe senders that they will accept files from. Yes. So you, they can't just like, you can't just span people with books, you know? Um, So they need to be on a list and they need to approve you and it's a whole thing, but that, that can, that's a process that can be done. I will say that if you're going to send it that way, which we still send books that way, that you only send two to three people at a time, a book, uh, it's very tempting to be like a list of 30 people and just zoom and right. Yeah. That's not going to work. It's just <laughs> Amazon doesn't like that. It's not going to work. Yeah. Those emails tend to bounce or go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get a million emails of, I didn't get my book. What happened? What, blah, 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 blah. You don't, mm. mm-hmm. dealing with that is a I nightmare. don't think I've ever sent direct to Kindle more than three, three Kindle addresses at a time. I think yeah. three max. Yeah. And the file goes through and gets delivered as it should. More than three. I don't think I've ever actually been successful. Yeah, I I try to stick it to two to three. Yeah. So yeah. you just, you know, deal with it that way. Is it more tedious? Excuse me, I'm an itch. Um, <laughs> yes, it's absolutely more tedious, but, you know, it is what it is. Sure. Um, but it's free. It's free. It's, it's tedious, but it's free. It's free. That, and I love free, especially if you're just starting out building your author brand. You've got a brand new arc, brand new to you arc team. You, you know, it's. 10 readers, 15 yes. readers instead of, you know, triple digits or more, whatever your goal is for yourself. The color free is my favorite. Love it. Yes. Love it. This is the way to get around paying for another service. Correct. But but for those of you who need a service, yes. who are in a position to not have the time or just want to have a slightly more organized system where you can see how many copies have gone out, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a dashboard that tells you all about your files, downloads. Yes. Distribution data, et cetera. You have some options. You do. We use BookFunnel, as do many authors. We love BookFunnel. BookFunnel is... mm. Also, I should say their customer service, just as a consumer. Top notch. Top notch. Top notch. Have nothing but wonderful things to say about BookFunnel. If you'd like to sponsor us, BookFunnel, we'd be happy to talk to you. We (laughs) love you. We love you. Not sponsored content over here. We've just been using them for years, ever since they came out, basically. And uh, we love them. We are sa- we are satisfied customers. <clears throat> we sure are. So with BookFunnel, what you do is you upload the files, you update the co- you know the cover and the files, and then you can you know fill out. It's like a little template thing. You can send. We yeah. send certi- We use their certified ARC program. And what that does when you send it as a certified ARC, you can see who's viewed the ARC. You can see who's downloaded the ARC. You can see what device they've downloaded yes. it onto. I love I love that. So you can see how many Apple users you have or how many yep. Android users or Kindle users you have. You have analytics now that you, you can, can look that at. that one really weird ARC reviewer who still downloads the PDF and reads on their desktop. Yeah. Because that person is out there. That person is out there. And they're on every there. team. Mm-hmm. And you can also choose what type of file types. Um, mm-hmm. They will convert 
file types for you automatically? Yes, automatically. Automatically. You get a Kindle uh, legacy <laughs> movie every time you upload an EPUB. Like yeah. it's just part of their process. It's glorious. The other yes. part that's glorious is when you send certified ARC, these ARCs are watermarked. So if to for discourage s- piracy. Yes. Yeah, so if for some reason your book does get out into the pirate world, which eventually it's going to anyway, because that's just the nature of this industry at this moment. But if one of your arcs happens to be that pirated copy, you can go download that pirated copy and see who Find the, the offender is. And see, and you can compare the watermark to the downloads in your dashboard. And you can see which email address is associated with the pirated file. Yep. Just by comparing the, the watermark and matching it. So And then you know which then member you know. of your team needs to hit the road and yeah. yeah. So it's really nice for that. It's it provides a level of security that no no other service that I know really does. Um, so that's really quite lovely. Other things you can do on BookFunnel, you can make landing pages. You can make landing pages for a book. You can also do promotions on yes. BookFunnel. So you can get a whole bunch of authors together to promo a book, have the books up there for download, and um, everybody, you know, you can then share one link and it has all these books on it that can be a cross-author promotion. You can also do integrations. So you can have an ARC or maybe you just want to give away a free book to readers, right? You're not in KU, you don't have exclusivity, and you just want to give away a free book. Well, or it's a reader lore, right? To get people on your newsletter list. Well, you can integrate that download page with your newsletter list on pretty much all the major platforms, newsletter platforms, and it's automatic. So you can, or you can have them, you know, put it on a list. There's so many options. Right. All they have to do is enter their email. The email is cross-referenced automatically to make sure they are a subscriber and then they get the free copy. Yeah. Yep. It's also book funnel integrates with a lot of your e-commerce stuff. So that you, when you are ready to sell direct from your own website, you can do digital distribution of audiobooks and ebooks directly via BookFunnel. Yep. You can also do, um, I think for audiobooks specifically, you can do preview files mm-hmm. and do yes, preview um, downloads on BookFunnel. Yep. Like literally the Absolutely. option, they made it so, so easy. Yes. I could cry. And it's reasonably priced. Oh, yeah. Too. Like, like we have a publisher account and it's not that expensive. No, it's really, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's actually very affordable. Yeah. But of course they are not the only ones in the game. They are not. They are not. There's also Book Sprout. Yes. Book Sprout though, I would say does not offer the same exact things. I think their wheelhouse is really review copies yes. and that is the emphasis on their services. So they don't have necessarily all of the integrations and the shiny extra features that BookFunnel has. Right. Um, but if you but are just looking to find reviewers, for, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what they're good for. Yes. Um, and if that's the only thing you need, they may be a great fit for you. Right. And I, I think they're less expensive because of that. I, I believe you're right about that. Yeah. 
But yeah, Book Sprout is wonderful if you're just looking one, you're trying to send art copies to people that you have found. But also what Book Sprout also does is they have art co- like you can choose to share it or, you know, with yes. the community and have people download and read your book. You can- use Booksprout to find new readers and reviewers by offering uh, an open invitation to Booksprout users to have an arc of your title. Which is nice. That's a nice way to find new readers. For sure. Um, Speaking of finding new readers, there's also NetGalley. Oh my gosh, NetGalley. NetGalley. So NetGalley is the OG, if you will. So NetGalley is what most traditional publishers use to distribute early copies of books. To sign up for NetGalley, you need to be a reviewer, a librarian, a bookseller, something like that. You put in all of your information, and then the person who is managing the book account, right, they can choose to make it an open download so anybody who has a NetGalley account can download the book or you can restrict it and people who have a NetGalley account can request the book. And then you can go through and see those individual users and approve or deny. Okay. You can also see how like their review score, meaning like how many times they put their reviews into NetGalley after they've downloaded a book. However, I don't really, I'm just putting this out there. I don't really think that the review score is, that won't make or break it for me because in order to get that review score to be like perfect, you have to put your review into NetGalley. And like not everybody does that. Like, and I get that. They're they're putting it on retailers. So anyway. But the nice thing about NetGalley is that you get access to booksellers and librarians, not just reviewers. So that's huge. And they there's a lot of booksellers and librarians that are in NetGalley. And that's where they access their books from. So if you are an indie author, you don't have to be traditionally published to do this. There are NetGalley co-ops. If you want to Google NetGalley co-op, there are places that you can pay a very reasonable price to get your book up there for like a month and then you can manage it. So another And you open the door to having booksellers and librarians and not just readers. Right. Uh, accessing and reviewing your titles. Exactly. So that's another great way to get reviews mm. for your title. And, and brand exposure yeah. too. I mean, what could be better than a bookseller picking up a copy of an ARC on that galley and then deciding they want to shelve your catalog exactly. and sell your books. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. You can also make what they call NetGalley widgets. Mm-hmm. And you can either have an open widget or an invite-only widget. And that open widget, if you will, uh, it's just something that you would invite your ARC reviewers to go in right. and download the book off of NetGalley. Right. So you have essentially given, or you can pre-approve them, essentially, to go download the title. So yeah, those are probably the biggest ones, right? Like mm-hmm. for ARC ARC. Top three. Top three. For sure. For sure. Let's see. What else? Well, Mm. to create the book, you're going to need to format it somehow. Yes. So listen, you can hire people to do all these things for you. Like Veronica and I do all these things. So You can pay people and outsource almost everything 
including writing the book. Yeah. I mean, that's a legitimate option. There are a lot of authors who use ghostwriters or ghost outliners. Yeah. So, but this is all like, if you want to do this yourself, here's Mm -hmm. your options. I mean, there's a lot. And I think it's also really good to talk about this and break it down in this way, because a lot of people think that like publishing a book is just, you know, one click and you've published a book, book. put it on Amazon and then watch the royalties roll in. Right. Which we all know that there's so many more steps than that. Just wild. But formatting is one of those. So you need to format your title for both ebook and print. And that is not like talking about it if you don't know what you're doing. No, it's not. So (laughs) it truly is not. So there are a couple of programs that make it easier for you uh, to do this. So I love Vellum. Vellum... I love Vellum. <laughs> Vellum's the best. Now, so the, what I think what's important about this discussion is to to note that Heather is a native Apple user. I am. So Heather loves Vellum because Heather is an Apple computer user. I am. Yes. So. And to be fair, so yes, you can only use Vellum on Apple devices unless you get an, you can get like an Apple cloud there's a process on a PC that you can go through to be able to In access yes, to be able to yeah. access Vellum and yeah. use it on a non-Apple device. Mm-hmm. You have to jump through more hoops. Yes. Full, fair, fair, full disclosure there. <laughs> However, the reason I love Vellum is again because of the ease of use. Not only right. not only is it simple to use, okay, but it is also they keep up with the times. Um, they're constantly doing updates to make things more streamlined, more functional. Um, you have the option to generate in all the different types of uh, file needs that you need. You can also generate into print in the exact dimensions that you need. Um, it's just simple. <laughs> it's just simple. You have options for fonts. They have, you know, insert text message here, like because text messages are now a big thing in books. And now they have a function where you can just drag that. I just formatted an anthology. And now they have a box, they have a box set option where you just drag and drop all of the stories. There's 12 different stories that I'm doing, and it creates the box set for me. Now, granted, I still had to go in and like manually edit things to make it look how I wanted it to look and make sure all the names or everything is appearing how it should. But before you had to build that out from scratch, or if you're in any other program, you have to build that out by scratch. And that is a whole huge, that's, that's two hours of your life right there. So how much do you, how much do you value your time? Also, I will say with Vellum, it is a one-time purchase. I purchased yeah, Vellum. it's not a subscription. Yeah. I purchased Vellum several years ago, um, many years ago at this point. You get two licenses, so you can have it on two different computers, and they will transfer. So like when I upgrade this computer, all I need to do is email Vellum and say, hey, I got a new computer, and they'll send me my I license. I deactivate my license yep. on this machine and add it to my new machine. And they will do that for you. Their customer service is lovely. And so I just, I really, really love Vellum <laughs> for formatting. Uh, it just makes life really easy for simple formatting. Okay, but what do those of us who are Windows natives use? So, I mean, you can use a couple different things. You can use Calibri. You can use, 
let's see, uh, InDesign. Mm-hmm. What is uh, Atticus? Isn't Atticus one? Atticus. That's is the one, biggest yeah. one, right? I don't have yeah. a lot of. Do you have you used Atticus? I don't have a lot of. I have experience. not, but I have clients who do. Okay. The, some clients who do their own formatting. A bit frustrating sometimes to use Atticus. That's combination of platform and user, I think. But yeah, a handful of people who use Atticus as well. Yeah. I will say, I don't think that there's anything PC that is like a direct, like, competitor for for Vellum. I mean, that does the exact same things. Right. There's programs that will help, will do what you need, but that doesn't have all the bells and whistles that, that Vellum has. The, well, one of the main reasons is I think Atticus, and I could be wrong here, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. My apologies. I think Atticus is mostly for ebooks. I don't know if they do print formatting as well. I believe you're correct about that. Yeah. So when that creates. If we're wrong, we're both wrong. If we're wrong, we're both wrong. But that does create an issue because then you're going to have to move into something like InDesign um, yeah, in order to format your paperback. Your paperback. And. Copies if you offer hardback. Right. Yeah. And hardcovers. That, yeah. That's a whole thing. Um, using InDesign literally my least favorite program I have ever used in my entire life. (laughs) So what you're saying is it perhaps behooves someone to invest in Vellum and just become an Apple user or, or use the cloud. I have a, I have a client who find the the way to use the cloud to use Vellum on a a windows PC. I have a client who does that um, where she, yeah, she has PCs and she uses the the cloud in order to Uh access Vellum. And that's all she uses it for, but you know what? That's all that she needs it for. Right. Right. And that's, it, it works for her and that, yeah. Because she's tried the other things and she just doesn't like them. And, and I understand that. So I will say this is somewhat important, though, because when you're formatting your books, you're not just doing it one time. Okay. Right. You are going to be going back and updating your back matter in yeah, you two be, years, yeah. five years. I mean, honestly, you should, you should be, be doing updating it. your back matter every new release. You should be. You should be. But... If you're not, it's okay, but... We know you're not. I mean, <laughs> we know because we... Yeah, we do. We, we do. work with enough we, people to know that you're not. Yeah. Oh, my God. I found... Oh, someone asked me to do... the Tangential. Someone asked me to look at Back Matter in a book that's going on sale in a few weeks. Yeah. Just to see if I thought there were any changes that needed to be made for our marketing strategy. The Back Matter included an excerpt of a book that has... I, it was intended to be part of a series. It's now just sort of standing alone. The author has gone on to write a completely different series, the continuation, and that original story that's now just out there in the ether by itself is the preview in the back matter. And it's like, okay, so we need to get on a schedule of looking at back matter a little more often than we do. <laughs> and everybody does it. Everybody so does if it. You're not updating yeah. every release. It's okay. You are, you are not alone. You're not alone. You are and not alone. And I get it. It's, it's, it's very tedious. It's one of those very yes. tedious things. Um, and that's why like when we're running a sale or something like that, I, that we're trying to lead to like a new release or something, I always yeah. ask the client to go and double check the back matter for that yep. sale file to make sure that it's updated to where they want it to lead to. 
Um, Are all the links still working and accurate? Have we changed where, you know, people need to go to get the newsletter or whatever? Like, yeah. Yeah. You want to go back and look. Yeah. Because, you know, things change. And if you don't have access to your own formatting software and you're paying somebody to format your titles, which is valid, like you totally can do that. Absolutely. Just know that you're also going to have to pay them to update your back matter. Yep. Those changes are going to cost you money unless you have some sort of, I don't know, subscription formatter who you pay a flat fee to and you get a certain number of edits or updates. I don't know. I don't know anybody who does that, but I suppose someone out there could be offering that kind of service. Um, But yeah. Generally speaking, if you pay someone to format originally, you're going to pay someone to edit formatting later. Right. So if you do it yourself, which... You know, you're saving money and you can do it whenever you want and you can do it at two o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an option. (laughs) That's important. Right. You don't have to wait two weeks for your formatter to get you in because they have 27 people ahead of you. Right. Right. Um, And you can really get creative with things. Um, You can make them look how you want them to look. Um, But anyway. So let's see, outside of forwarding, forwarding, I can't speak today. I told you this. Formatting. Yes. I need some caffeine in my life here shortly. (laughs) It is Friday after all. Let's see, what other apps? Um, What other services? Oh, we could talk about social media schedulers. Oh, yeah. Giveaway hosts. We could talk about. Well, let's talk about giveaway hosts. (sighs) Rafflecopter and King Sumo are the two that come to mind. Yes, those are the two popular ones. And I don't like either one of them personally. I don't either. But they're essentially the same too. Yes, they're essentially they they're they're direct competitors of one another. They're essentially the same. Um. So, what are they good for? Let's talk about what they're good for. They're good. <laughs> Look at your face. If you if you guys are if you guys aren't watching the video, you can't see the face that I'm making to make Heather laugh right now. So what they're good for is listen, if you want to run a campaign, you're you're wanting to run a giveaway that is going to automatically choose the winner for you at the end of the giveaway. Collect newsletter subscribers for you or something similar. That is going to do that. Um, and then you get options to send them to different like social links that they go right. and they can get points for, for basically clicking the link and visiting. Follow you on Instagram or follow you on BookBub or right. you know, whatever your priority is. Go watch a TikTok and interact with it. Right. Now you can't really check that interaction, but you can no. check that they've clicked on the link. So yes. they have to click on the link. That's the only requirement there. Right. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine for that. It's fine for collecting emails, but that's sort of the extent of that. Yeah. They used to be way more popular, but we have other options now and things that you can do for a giveaway that make it a little... I think, too, the way we use social media has changed enough and social media itself has changed enough that these third party giveaway hosts don't have the same efficacy they used to. Right. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. Meta specifically is really bad about discouraging people from clicking links that will lead them off of either of their platforms. So if you're on Facebook or Instagram, 
uh, a link to your raffle copter or King Sumo giveaway is probably going to get suppressed. Right. They're not going to want to share it out. Unless it's a sponsored post and you're advertising it by paying to have it displayed, which is the way to circumvent that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, my honestly making forms. They're fine. Yeah. Like if you're running a giveaway, the easiest way is to make a Google form. Just make a Google form and have people fill out the form there. Then you can. Landing page on your website if you're tech savvy enough to do that. And have them have them fill out the form there. It, it's mm-hmm. frankly simpler. As, and that also with a Google form, you can add an upload section. So you yes. can require people to take screenshots of like mm-hmm. they're following you on Instagram yes. and submit that as proof that they did it. So yeah. you get you have that check feature there that you don't have the ability to have on some of those other platforms. And you can make it mandatory <clears throat> that when they submit the Google form, they have to they have to provide an email address and they have to opt into subscribing. Yeah. They can unsubscribe later, obviously, but Right. Yeah. You can do all of the same things with a Google form, which is free. Which yeah, it's free and it's I think a little easier to use. It may not look as pretty. I mean, Rafflecopter yeah. and King Sumo both have the ability to make your giveaway landing pages look very uh, appealing they and eye catching. They do. They look nice. Um, but you can also, I mean, you can embed the portions of your Google form into a landing page on your website, like Veronica was saying, and make it look fancier um, than it is than just on a Google page. But I, yeah, I do like Google forms a lot for that. Yeah. If I'm running a giveaway. Um, now I've also used, I mean, I've done giveaways in so many variations. It's just like. You can run giveaways where you just have people sign up to a newsletter uh, and then that's the giveaway. <laughs> like you can, there's right. just so many. Just sign up and we will pull the winner from the list of new subscribers. Correct. Depends what yeah. the goal of the giveaway is, right? Um, right. So it, that, that really depends there. Um, if your goal is to get people to visit your other socials, then yeah, maybe King Sumo or, oh, for you sure. know, Racklecopter is, is for you. If you have... Like if you have a Facebook reader group and you are just looking to infuse that with some new members, King Sumo is probably your best choice because right. all you have to do to enter is click a link. Right. So super simple. Very easy. The link is the link to your group. That's it. Done. Yeah. What was the other thing that you were saying that we could talk about? Oh, social media schedulers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a million of those. Well, I was gonna. I, that's that's the problem, yeah. right? Like, how do we carve out a list of like you know? top three or whatever. I mean, we could talk about the ones we have used and currently use, but the market is saturated with options for scheduling posts to most social media platforms. I mean, I'll tell you, I use Publer. Why do I use Publer? Because I got a lifetime subscription to Publer on AppSumo. So I paid, I think, $45 for a lifetime subscription to Publer. And that is why we use it. Yep. I mean... (laughs) I'm not. We have in the past used Hootsuite. Yeah, use Hootsuite. There's Zapier. Yeah. Who? Let's see. There's. Oh God. What is Hoop? Is Hoopla one? Oh, what is it? Yeah. There. Hmm. There are just so many of them on the market. There's there's a lot, like a lot, and there's some that have a little bit more functionality than Publer, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. so like there's some where you could literally build, po- like create p- 
posts with graphics that they have in their own right what should we call it in their like their own suite um mm-hmm. for social media posts that you can so it's sort of like a designer and a scheduler at the same time yeah. and that's sort of cool i've seen ones like that it depends what your needs are, but there are literally so many of them that yeah. you just need to find one that is not terribly expensive. Right. And also, if you want to just focus on one platform, you may be able to find a scheduler within that <clears throat> social media platform yourself. Oh, For sure. For example, Facebook Meta offers Meta Business Suite where you can create and schedule content for Facebook pages, yep. Facebook profiles, and Instagram accounts all in one place. Yes. So, yeah, and that's already that's free. And it's it right. Well, it's native to to Meta, so you don't have to pay in order to have those scheduling features. Those are available to you just as long as you have the account. Yep. Um, and that's what we we used to manually do that before all these companies started popping up that allowed scheduling. Yep. I still use Business Suite for clients. Yeah. So like I have access to certain authors' Facebook and Instagram accounts. <clears throat> and so I use Meta Business Suite to schedule promo for them and other things. Right. Yeah, I've done that before. So it yep. you just got to figure out what's going to work best for you. But if you're mm-hmm. looking as a brand to what what's one place, just yeah, Google scheduler, like social media right. scheduler. Exactly. There are so many. There are so many. One that – so I got – like I was saying, I got my deal – uh, for 1852 mm-hmm. on AppSumo. Um, right. And if you go to that site, they often, they have deals like that. They You can get a lifetime subscription to this new up and coming thing. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes uh, brands like, uh, like uh, let's say Publer, for example, because that's what I used it for. They will run a sale on there just to get more right. users and some new users in mm-hmm. um, to their their. Um, software subscription yes. service. Yes. So, you know, look out for deals like that because I've gotten a couple that have been really good over there. And so you can also find great deals on fonts and, you know, yes. different uh, items like that. Uh, there's also, there's usually a deal over there, I think every year for deposit photos where mm-hmm. you can get like a hundred, what is it? Like a hundred images for 30 bucks or something. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal. <clears throat> it's a really, yeah. So definitely look at that company um, to that place. Cause you can find a lot of apps there and a lot of great deals for things that you're going to need. Yeah. I have one more thing we can talk about. Yeah. Graphics. Yes. Well, we can talk about it in a couple. We can talk about stock photos and graphic design sure, places. Sure, let's let's yeah, yeah. So graphics was the like we were talking about. I, I don't. I guess the social media post, and I was like, oh my god, we didn't talk. About I know we didn't talk about graphics. What? So, I mean, which do you want to talk about first? Designing them or finding? <laughs> let's talk about let let's do let's do stock photos first okay. because I think it yeah it know. sort of does like dovetail. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta have, you don't have to have the stock photos to make graphics, but a lot of people like to use stock photos to make graphics. So yeah. we'll start there. So yeah, you can go get yourself a subscription at um, a stock photo website, or there's a lot of places you can just buy them all a cart. You know, one sure. off, one off. There are also a couple of websites online where you can get free stock. Oh yeah, yeah. There's what like Pixabay and Pexels. Yeah, P E X, not P I X. Pexels. Right. Um, Pixabay, a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and they're all free. You can use them for yes. commercial use. Now, the big thing with stock photos, you have to make sure that you can use them for commercial use. Yes. You want your stock license to include commercial use. Yes. Um, but as long as they include that, uh, then you're good yeah. to go. And there's plenty of free stock photo websites out there that you can find that at. Yep. Now, yep. are they going to have exactly what you want? Probably, Probably not. not. Um, but some they might. They might have something that's usable, right? Yeah. But there's then other places that you can go and purchase stock photos. So yes. I've used Deposit Photos, Adobe Stock. iStock. iStock. Yeah, thank you. Shutterstock. Yep. Uh, I mean, goodness. there's a lot. Yeah, there are. And you can just go and just Google stock photos <laughs> and you yeah. can find them. I literally just literally. Google stock photos. There's a lot of sites now. Most of them offer some sort of package for like, you get a, a minimum number of images for a one-time fee, or you can sign up for a monthly subscription if you think you're going to need way more graphics than that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a recurring package to a couple of websites. I do. We do as well as a company. Yep. And so, yeah. And then also just to dovetail with that. So then there are these graphic design places that you can go and make graphics. Yes. And they often have, if you've paid for the subscription or paid the premium subscription fee, have access to a bunch of stock photos that are available to be used for commercial use as well. Right. Right. So Canva is one mm -hmm. and they have photos that you can use. Yes. PicMonkey is another. They also, I think they work with Shutterstock. I believe PicMonkey's integration is with, with Shutterstock. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, two, listen, they are two very different design yeah. services. Does Bookbrush have stock photos? Yes. I actually don't know. They have, yeah. so, well, they have, yeah, they have to, because you can put your picture in, in like, you can put your cover into a variety of different, you mm -hmm. know, things. So yeah, they do as well. You're, they're not going to have things like, I don't, at least I don't think they do. Like like romance couple or something like right. that. I don't think they have right. that, but they have a lot of like um, bookstagram photos, right? Yeah, flat flat lays lays. And styled photos and landscapes yeah. and stuff, stuff yeah. like that. And these are all alternatives to learning how to use Photoshop if you're not a Photoshop right. kind of person. Photoshop is pretty intense. Although Photoshop has recently released a uh, like Photoshop Express or something like that, mm -hmm. and they're trying to get capitalized on this. Well, you know, yeah, their pro their their original program is very complicated. Very. It takes a long time to learn and become proficient to use, and most of us, yeah, didn't really have the time or didn't want to take the time to invest in that. So now we're using competitors, and they want to capitalize on trying to get some of that business back. Yeah, I mean, I get Much frustrated. More streamlined version of Photoshop. I get frustrated because I have an Adobe subscription. Mm -hmm. We have the Canva subscription and we mm -hmm. have a PicMonkey subscription. Yes, we do. And I'm like, do we need all of these subscriptions? But like I use them all for different things. Yes. Uh, that's, but that's the nature of what we do. Right. An author probably only needs one graphic design standard. Right. 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 Like you want to learn how to use Photoshop, go for it. It's going to serve you well. Mm hmm. I mean, eventually you might get good enough to make your own covers. I mean, you can do everything in Photoshop, like literally, literally everything. everything. So if you can... The sky is the limit yeah. with Photoshop. 
Now, these other programs we're talking about, they are web-based. You're going to use them on a a tablet or your desktop computer in a browser. Your file sizes are going to be much smaller and you're going to have some limitations on what you can do, but they're still very valuable, time-saving graphic design tools. So, yeah, I mean, if you are using any sort of video editing, you're using Canva. Mm -hmm. I mean, for that, for video creation. Right. Use Canva. If you're, I mean, if you're editing a video, I'd use CapCut because I frankly just like Mm -hmm. that more. But if you are creating, you know, like something to put on TikTok or, or whatever, Canva's wonderful. If you're making a document, you want to make like a really pretty document, Canva's lovely for that. Mm-hmm. Or a, you know, like PowerPoint style presentation, like a slide deck. Yeah. If you want to edit a photo, <laughs> pick monkey. <laughs> That's, I mean, period. 100%. If you like, 100%. or you want to create some type of a graphic image from scratch, it's, Pick monkey because pick monkey is a lot more like Photoshop in that sort of regard. Mm-hmm. Um, the manipulation it's editing capabilities yeah. are different. Yeah. The manipulation the you that you can do with images. images. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's way, I mean, I, I like it a lot more than yeah. Canva. Canva has a lot more limited capabilities when it comes to things like that. Like Canva literally just got background remover. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like what the We've been background removing on pick monkey for like three or four years yeah. now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Um, yeah. and then there's also, I mean, not there's GIMP is another program that's out there that is essentially a like, what an unfortunate name. I know it's like Photoshop sort of. And, uh, I used to use that in college. Like this is an old program. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I used GIMP back in the day. What were you making graphics for in college? What wasn't I doing? What wasn't I making graphics for in college? <clears throat> I made all of our sorority. Sorority stuff? Yeah, I made all of our sorority. Okay. Like, um, you know, the the tags we put on our doors. Yeah. And I made all of the the ones for the fraternity that I was the rose queen oh of. God. I always forget. I always forget that you were... The first. I was. You were the first. I was the inaugural inaugural Rose Queen. queen. (laughs) I was indeed. (laughs) Y'all, if you want stories on Heather, my email is veronica at (laughs) 1852media.com. Just hit me up. Yeah, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule a Google Meet. I'll tell you all the, I'll, I'll give you all the tea. <laughs> These graphic design skills have been honed, okay? They've been honed yeah. over the years. But yeah, I used that a lot in college. So anyway. I thought you were going to say Microsoft Paint. No, definitely not. Definitely not. In the <laughs> Hughes Hall Computing Lab or whatever. Oh my God, right? Leonard Hall. Oh my God. <laughs> the computer lab on North on the North Side. Hugh? No, it wasn't Hughes. The one on Southside was in the basement of Anderson. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember either. We both, so we went to American University. Yeah, Heather, Heather and I are, we are sorority sisters and college classmates. Yes. Veronica was my big. And I was. still are. I mean. You, Technically, yeah. You are my big and uh, in our sorority. So, Yeah. Since, you know, in honor of Rush Week at University of Alabama, oh, just yeah. concluding. You've been on TikTok <laughs> in the last two weeks. You probably know about Bama Rush. That's right. So we are. 
Our experience was not like that, no, by the way. No, it was not. I mean, I didn't even go through Rush as a participant. No, you did not. I was a COB, so. I didn't go through formal Rush. I went through informal Rush, so it was a significantly less stressful process. And that was in the spring, right? Actually, opposite. So oh, right, because... Yeah, our yeah. Univers- our undergraduate right. university did formal in the spring. Right, right. I they forgot about that. Fr- they didn't want first semester freshmen joining Greek organizations and throwing off their academics, right? Right. So formal's in the spring where we went to undergrad, or at least it was when we were there. Yeah. And then informal was in the fall. So, so you and I fall. I went informal as yeah. a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I came in in the spring, but I did not go in through formal rush. Right. No, so we just stalked you, convinced you to like us, and then it's sort of what happened. The club, <laughs> sort of exactly what happened. You guys don't know how cool Heather was. Okay, <laughs> like she, <laughs> we had to have her. She was the best. Was being the operative word. No, <laughs> no, you still are, but like, oh, you're so sweet. I'm the only. I'm the only one claiming this, right? Right. Like, right. I don't have seventy. I don't have the other seventy women who agreed with me behind that's me. Like, true. you know, that's true. To chime in right now. I, yeah, that's true. But now it was, I was a rare breed. I mean, I think I'm still a rare breed, but I was, I was extra special yeah. back then. And these ladies still loved me. So still, still do, still do. Most of us are shocked that you own a ranch and have goats now. Well, and that you aren't. Like, I am too. <clears throat> A Republican junior senator. Yeah, I mean, I am too. Or married to a Republican junior well, senator. That was, that was my parents' dream, but <clears throat> I know. Yeah, how I know how far that has changed. <laughs> oh man, we all grow. Man, we're gonna have to do a different podcast for this stuff. But um, yeah, it's a little little insight into Heather. <laughs> like I said, Veronica at eighteen fifty two media dot com. Let's let's be honest. The stories go both ways. Oh yeah, no, they do. They do. They do. She she can tell on me as much as I can tell on her. Maybe more. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, college! My son's going off to college next year, so I'm I'm very excited for him. But yes. I imagine he's going to also tell me more than I ever told my parents because we have a very different relationship than oh, I ever I did with my parents. Here, I cannot wait to hear his story. I know because he will tell. He you will tell way me more. Yeah, I imagine he won't tell me everything. I hope he doesn't tell me Poorly. everything. Honestly, I he doesn't tell you everything now. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to know. I mean, everything. He has his own boundaries. Yeah. He tells me still more than I probably. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, generationally things change. You're much more accepting parent. Yes. Than perhaps parents of our parents' generation were. So it's a little safer for him to confide in you or at least be honest. Right. No, for sure. I was not about for sure. I was not about to tell my parents oh, what we were up to. Oh god, no. No. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so And on that note, <laughs> does anybody want an evergreen marketing? Oh, tip? we should do like, that. I know we've gone off the rails in the past several minutes. Sorry. If you're still listening, we do have an evergreen marketing tip for you. And it actually kind of dovetails nicely with all this talk about apps and programs and your options for your, your business and your brand. This week, I wanted to really recommend that everyone look into the passive income that's available to their business through affiliate marketing. Yes. As an author, you need to use links because you're directing traffic from social media or your website to third-party retailers, okay? Assuming that you aren't 
exclusively relying on your own store to sell your books at this point. If that's where you're at, this doesn't really apply to you. Right. But for those of you who are in Kindle Unlimited or who are selling on Apple and Barnes Noble and Kobo, you can sign up for an affiliate marketing account with all of these retailers. They all have an affiliate program. And you can monetize the traffic that you send to their website to buy your books. Yeah. And you should. I believe Amazon even offers an affiliate program in almost all, if not all of their international markets too. Yeah. And now they've made it easier. So they, they have this thing called one link that you can sign up for mm-hmm. and that will, now you just put in your information once and it goes to all the marketplaces as all opposed the, all to, the marketplaces. right. As opposed to previously you had to individually sign up to all the marketplaces. Oh, the old days which, when you make a link for each store. Yeah, let's be honest. I didn't do that. So <gasps> I was very excited about the one link. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh, how onerous. Absolutely. So yeah, just, I mean, it's a quick Google, Google, Amazon affiliates, yeah. Google, Apple affiliates, Google. I will Barnes say affiliates. Kobo affiliates is, is, is not user friendly, but it exists. It does exist and you can yes. certainly use it. And then if you're going to use that, you have to be careful where you put affiliate links. Yes. You have to read their terms of service. Yes. Or, and, or you have to get a third party platform that can create a landing page for you with these types of affiliate links on them. And then you register that company's landing page as the website that you're using to share these affiliates so that you stay within their terms of service. Right. I'm just saying, just look at, look at their terms of service. There's ways to work within them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying around them because you're not working around, you're working within them to stay within the rules while right. also doing what you want to do with your links. Right. Right. So, but- the tip itself is just that you need the links anyway, and there is a way to make the links make you additional yes. money. So use use the links. Programs. Use the links. To make the links make you more You're money. You're doing it, it already. It may not be a lot yeah. of money. It may be a lot of money. It just depends on the month you have and the volume of traffic that you're generating. Well, and you're doing it anyway. Exactly. So you're doing it anyway. You can use it to make more money. Mm-hmm. Use, it to make- use it to make more money. Absolutely. So that's your evergreen marketing tip of the day. Love it. It's great. And we will <laughs> we will stay in the lane of publishing and say for next time. We will try, we'll try to stay in the lane of publishing. <laughs> we'll try. I promise you nothing based on what's happening on TikTok oh, I or know. I know. something that triggers a walk down memory lane. No, it's true. And I, I think the insights and in, it's fun. You know, it's all good. But all right. Well, until next time, we've rambled on enough today. My goodness. We will see you next time, next Friday. Same time, same place. Yeah. <laughs>